So if you will, make your way over to Matthew chapter 14 <clears throat> this morning as we continue in our study. And in this portion and in this section that deals with the ministry of the rejected king. Now even though we don't see Jesus being rejected in our story this morning, we did talk about how through his ministry we see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And one of the, you know, th- this moment, this time that we have here, basically we see the good, you know, in ministry and what can happen. I mean, there's some situations that arise, but, but again, it's not like he's being rejected like we, we will see and we have seen. The, the great thing about this portion of our text this morning is that it happens in all four of the Gospels. It happens to be in all four of the Gospels, uh, which is a rarity because normally in many of the stories that we go through, they are in the Synoptic Gospels, which are Matthew, um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Those are the Synoptic Gospels because they're, they're all about the same. You know, and they share the same stories. But the Gospel of John is... is Part of it, it's altogether different. There's a lot of similarities, but the Gospel of John mainly it it, it, it focuses on the ministry of Jesus when he's up in in Jerusalem or down in Jerusalem, and which was just a couple times a year, and and that's where the Gospel of John really focuses a, a lot of its attention. Um, not so much down in in Galilee or in Galilee area. But all the Gospels align here, you know, they're all together in this story. There is some variations of the story as you go to each one of the Gospels, mainly because you get four different perspectives of what they saw and what they wrote down. Same story. It might just look a little different because if four of us went on the same road trip together and came back, we, we, we all went on the same road trip, but we came back and we shared different aspects of it. And somebody might say, well, so-and-so said that you guys did this. Well, yeah, we did do that. I just didn't like that part. I like that part. You know, it was the food. Of course it was the food. You know, the sights, yeah, I know there were sights, but man, if you, if you were there, you know. And so we get different perspectives from these four guys that write down these Gospels for us. And so we will look at different parts of the story from the other Gospels, and I will reference that. And that is so we can get the fuller picture. But we're in Matthew chapter 14, and we'll cover... I know we covered these last week, but we'll cover verses from verse 13... To verse 21, we, we did cover 13 and 14 last week, but be that as it may, let's do it again. Verse 13, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitude heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw the great, a great multitude And he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and and took the five loaves and the two fish and looked up to heaven. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate. And were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now there, now those who had eaten were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The Gospel of Matthew takes us from the death of John the Baptist, and it takes us right into the feeding of the five thousand. And it fits well because Jesus and his disciples, they get away. 
to be alone. Now, the other Gospels tell us that Jesus had sent his disciples out to minister to the people around the area after John the Baptist's death. He sends them out, and it was after that that they got away into a deserted place. When they came back from that ministry, from that little missions trip, if you will, they did get back and they got away. And both accounts work here. They, they, they really do. They're both true. Because they did get away often. The Gospel of Matthew just so happens to not tell us about that, that missionary trip that they took as they went out two by two to minister in the, the Galilee area. He doesn't share that. Now, it's interesting because in the other Gospels, when you read about that little missions trip that they took, they went out because they were sent out by the Lord to go and minister, and they had the power of the Holy Spirit to go with them to go do the work that Jesus had sent them out to do. And I'm sure that even as they were out and about, there, there, there was probably some disappointing times that they kind of went through as they were out and about sharing the gospel. But I could guarantee you that they had a lot more victories than they had defeats. Because they come back and they're so excited about what they were able to do on this mission trip. In other words, they got to see in ministry the good, the bad, and the ugly as well. They got to experience what Jesus will be experiencing throughout his time in, in the ministry. They got to go experience it because he sent them out to go do that, all that stuff. And so again, the other Gospels, um, uh, it, it, it looks like, again, that Jesus and his boys, they were out, um, you know, they were just taking this little time to get away, a little leadership retreat, so to speak, you know, to get refreshed because, again, they were out doing ministry. And they needed some much-needed rest when they went into this deserted place. And it almost seems that this was a, a place that they frequented, you know, that they went to often when it was time to just kind of get away from all the hustle and bustle, that they were able to go into this area. They were headed from Capernaum, which, again, in our text, that's probably where Jesus got the news about John the Baptist. And they're headed to Bethsaida, Bethsaida, however you say it. I always mispronounce it, and if I do, don't get all over my case. It's okay. But they're going to Bethsaida, whatever. And it's about five miles away from Capernaum to this other place, this other city. <laughs> On foot. On foot, it's about five miles. Both of these cities are on the north part. And you can look in map six, C2. You can see where the Sea of Galilee is. You know, and, and, and you can see both of these places where they are, they are on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum is on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. Whereas Bethsaida is on the northeast side. And, and, and again, if you're looking at it, one's about 11 o'clock, the other one's at 1 o'clock. For those of you guys who understand clocks, sorry you youngsters over here, they're going, it's all digital, I have no clue what you're just talking about. But you can also get there by boat as we see that Jesus takes off by boat. He, 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 because Capernaum was right there on the shore. So they take the boat and they come across and they come up to where that other city is at. And they, they get out and they go in about inland about two miles. And that's where these two places are located. And so up in Bethsaida is where this getaway is. I'm sorry. <laughs> that poor guy quit saying it. Okay, that's the last time I'm going to say that word. So, they go to this deserted place. The people, the multitude, they are needy. They want to be ministered to somehow, some way. 
And they take off by foot because they hear that they're probably going to their little getaway, their little retreat center. They know where it's at. And so they take off on foot and these cats take off on boat. But these people, they're needy. They want to be there. And can you imagine the disciples, when they get off the shore, they come down from the, this deserted place, that they could be thinking, hey, come on, guys. We're here for some little R&R. We're here to relax a little bit. We need time for ourselves. We've been giving so much of ourselves. And, and, and again, they could have come out and said, guys, Jesus just lost his cousin. Give him some space. Give him some time. He needs rest. But the crowds just kept coming. There was a multitude. What do you do with that? You know, when they're going, yeah, but we need something from you, Jesus. And I'm sure that the disciples probably thought, Jesus, why don't you go out there? Jesus, go, go and talk to them. Tell them, hey, man, it's our time. It, it, it's our time. Come on, go away. Go away. Come back another day. It's our day off. You know? We, we need that time. After all, shouldn't those who minister to the people have a break from the people? This is what Second John, or First John chapter 3, 16 and 18 says. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And so we get this exhortation from John, who was there, who might have been at that point going, Jesus, get rid of these people. But he comes to know later on when he's writing his letter, saying, now, if we call ourselves servants of God, we are on all the time. And I'm not just talking about us professionals up here. We, <laughs> we are always on. If we see someone in need, and we say we have the love of God in us, how do we go... Be warm, be filled. See you later. I'll pray for you, bro. <laughs> you see, a servant is one who puts others' needs before their own. A servant will serve even when it's not convenient. You see, a servant of the Lord really doesn't have his own time. A servant doesn't have me time. He really doesn't. And you're going, oh, geez, why did I come today? <laughs> Jesus comes out of the boat or he comes out of this deserted place when they're, from their little retreat center, from their deserted place. And he saw the people. And when he did, it says that he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. Thayer's Greek, Greek lexicons says it means to be moved as one's own bowels. Not to be confused with bowel movement, <laughs> but to be moved as to one's bowels. Hence, to have a, to to be moved with compassion. To have compassion. That's what that means, to be moved from deep down inside here because it was believed back in those days that the bowels were thought to be the seat of love and pity. This is where it hurt deep down inside when you had this compassion for someone, when you had this pity for someone that you needed to do something about it. And so Jesus looks at them with pity. Because they looked lost. Earlier in Matthew chapter 9, and Mark shares it in this story, it says that Jesus had compassion on them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. And so to him, the multitude are coming and he has to do something about it. 
Because he is moved with compassion. It doesn't tell us that the disciples were moved with, the, with compassion, but Jesus was. These poor people must have been tired or fed up and tired with their old religion because their rabbis could care less about them. Their rabbis thought that they were better than them. To them, to reach down to the common people was not something that they liked to do. It wasn't their forte. These religious leaders in that day that these people had all dealt with, they did not have compassion on the people. And I could imagine that when Jesus comes on the scene, there's this newfound excitement about something new that this man who has the authority to speak, not like the scribes, but he has this authority to speak, that he actually has compassion on them. And, and, and they are so enthralled with that that he really wants to care for them and meet their needs. Because he's done it already. They've seen that. So whenever they see or hear, hey, he's headed over to that one city that that guy can't pronounce. When, when he's going over there, we're going to go by foot and we're going to be there. And we're going to wait until they come out. I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 40. Because at one time before, you know, Jesus had called himself a good shepherd in the Gospel of John. And, 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 and the people, they sensed that, that he had this, this compassion. He looked upon them and, and, and he just loved nothing more than for them to seek who he is, to seek him out. And in Isaiah 40 verse 11, he says, He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And again, in, in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17, he says, Thus says the Lord, our Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord, your God, who teaches you to profit, who leads you by the way you should go. Jesus is truly the good prophet or the good, the good shepherd who cares about the, the, the one little sheepy who, who's hurting, man, and he is willing to go and, 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 and gather them up and have compassion on him or on them. Jesus never passed up an, an opportunity to minister. He knew that they were hungry. Spiritually speaking, he knew that. There had been this spiritual dryness for over 400 years until he comes on the scene. And these people are just so hungry. And he was going to take care of that need in the spiritual sense. But this, this story here, at the same time, it was going to be a lesson for his disciples. Who, who sometimes were more concerned about themselves than they were for the people they were to serve. And the servant of the Lord is to serve even when it is not convenient. Again, I hope you understand, I am not the only servant of the Lord in this place just because I'm the pastor here. We're all servants of the Lord. When you said, I want to be a Christian, it wasn't going to be the spectator sport. You were going to be in the game. That's what you signed up for. And you're going, nobody told me that one. Nobody told me I was supposed to be a servant. I thought I was a little princess of the Lord. It's like, no, you're not. Okay, maybe you are, but you're not. You're a servant of the Lord. That's the first thing that should be in our hearts. Yes, we are the children of the King, but we are servants of the Lord first and foremost. And the servant of the Lord serves even when it is not convenient. And it says in verse 15, When it was evening, His disciples came to Him, saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy food, or buy themselves food. <laughs> there, there are two ways that we could look at the situation here. Because it, it, it has been a long day that tells us that. They're in a deserted place. 
and the hour is already late. And so you can look at it one or two ways. This is a problem or this is an opportunity, okay? This is a problem or this is an opportunity. For the disciples, they came up with a conclusion. This is a problem here. We have a problem big time right now, Lord. I, I, I think far too many times when situa- situations arise in, in our lives, the, the, the first reaction that we might have is, well, well, send the multitudes away. Send them all away. Send, send it all away. Get rid of the problem. <laughs> That's the easiest way to take care of a situation. That's how you fix the problem. You ignore it. You walk away from it. You get away from it. It's like, can't fix it. It's too big for me. Can't do anything. And, and I think oftentimes it's because, again, in our mind, especially when we see it that it's right in front of us, we're thinking, well, I'm too tired. I'm, I'm kind of spent right now. I've done my share. It's really not a convenient time for me right now. <laughs> It's not convenient anymore to keep on doing this. And, 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 and oftentimes we think, I, I just don't have anything left in the tank to give. But this is where we need to, we need to differentiate, distinguish, or discern between doing ministry for your sake, for the pastor's sake, for the church's sake, or for Jesus' sake. That's, that's what we have to differentiate. Why am I doing what, you know, if there's a, a situation, why am I going to do this? Why should I do this? For my sake? Because Pastor Zeke wants us to be involved? Because the church wants us to do this? Or is it because Jesus is telling me I need to do this? There's, there's a big difference. And you need to be the judge of that. When is it for your sake? When is it for my sake? When is it for the church's sake? And when is it for Jesus' sake? Because oftentimes, you could be serving me or serving this church, but you're not doing it for Jesus' sake. You're doing it because there's a need. And man, oh man, how many times have they announced it? (laughs) That there's a need. But I could almost guarantee you, every time that we've announced something, there's one of you, two of you, because I've heard this way too many times. Man, I sat there and the Lord is telling me, you, it's you, you, you need to do this. And then you fight it. It's like, no, they're asking me, Lord. It's not of you. I can tell it's not of you, man. It's not of you. I, I, par- you know, I rebuke that thought right now, Jesus. In your name, I rebuke it. Yes. And you walk away and you leave here and Jesus is going, no, I've called you to do that. Again, I, I say that because situations arise in our lives all the time when others are involved. And we are doing ministry, and then it looks like it's turned into a huge problem, and it's too big for me, and I can't handle this. I've done too much already, Lord. You know that. I've taken time away from this, this, this. and And again, dude, we, we're all there. But you see, this was not the first time that these disciples had ran into the multitude. The multitudes were always around. But it seemed like this time, all of a sudden, the multitude are a problem. Huh. You see, part of the difference here than all the other times, it's that it's been a long day. And they're in a deserted place. And the hour is already late. You see, a lot of the other times that the multitudes were there, they're going to minister to the multitudes, spiritually speaking, and they're, they're gone. This is different. Because now they're hungry. And they're needy. Physically speaking. And the easiest way to fix this problem is to send the multitude away. So they can go and and care for their needs. So they can go buy their own food. Now it doesn't sound bad because again, how are you going to feed this many people just off the cuff like that, man? You didn't plan for this. You didn't do it in the announcements. They just showed up. 
and you have way too many people, and you don't know what to do. And so it doesn't sound bad that they come and they're going, Jesus, you know that we can't take care of the situation. The best thing is, send them away. Again, that's the easiest thing to do. And it doesn't sound bad. Send them away, Lord. Unless, Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. You're kidding me. Can you imagine how stunned they were when they're going, Jesus, you know the crowds. Look at them. They're hungry. It's late. We're deserted in a deserted place. We need to send them away. And he turns around and says, no, you take care of them. What? That's why I'm coming to you, Jesus. You take care of them. And he says, no, you take care of them. You take care of them. Not for your sake and not for the pastor's sake and not for the church's sake. You take care of them for my sake. This is where the situation turns from a problem to an opportunity. <laughs> See, Jesus sees the opportunity. These cats are looking at it like, no, it's a problem. Because there's not enough to go around, Lord. You know that. But Jesus turns this all around. And all of a sudden, he places it on, in their hands. Oh, the Bible tells us in another story, Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew that. You see, this was the opportunity to serve Jesus because he said it. He turned it right around. You know, and, 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 and they see the situation right in front of them. And Jesus is saying, no, they don't need to go away. I'm sure when he said that, they're going, what? It wasn't about them, and it wasn't about ministry. It was about serving Jesus at that moment. Why? Because he had told them, you do this. Nobody else, you guys do it. In other words, they had to serve these people, not in the spiritual sense anymore, but in the physical sense. And it was almost like this one is going to cost them a little bit. <laughs> because it's late. They're away. How could you ask any more of me, Lord? I have nothing in the tank anymore. Come on. You see, it's interesting because these guys were so excited. They were so excited when they were sent out by Jesus to go meet the spiritual needs of the people, they were so excited. They came back and told them all the things that they were able to do. When they were out two by two, man, hey, man, this guy's my BFF from here on out because, man, we did ministry together. We were in the trenches together. Man, oh, man, you should have seen what we got to do and the glory of the Lord just shone this place, you know? And now all of a sudden he's going, oh, I need you to feed all these people. And you're going... I do the spiritual part, Lord. I don't do the, I don't do the hands-on thingy. <laughs> All of a sudden, it's become a problem because Jesus is going, no, I need you to get dirty. That trenches that you thought you were in the spiritual sense, I need you to get in the trenches in the physical sense now. And I need you to go out there and minister to these people right where, they're li where they live right now because right now they're hungry. And they're in a deserted place. Well, yeah. But we have nothing, Lord, to give them. We'll pray for them. <laughs> it's interesting because John, or James, says this in James 2, 15-17, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute for daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace. Be warmed and filled. But you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. What an inter interesting thing that James says. You can, say, you can say, man, I have all the faith in the world. And yet you're not willing to do the practical things or the simple things, or the humble things. You know, because you can say all day long, oh, I serve Jesus, 
And people go, but I've never seen you serve people. That just doesn't jive right now. You can say, man, I love Jesus with all my heart. And somebody goes, I never see you loving people, though. See, that, that's when the rubber meets the road, man. That's where faith has its little feet and starts doing. Now, again, don't do it for doing's sake. <laughs> no, you do it because this is what God has required you. Because he's telling you, hey, yes, pray for people. Do that. But man, when it comes to the physical needs of the people, and they come to you, and they're going, I need this. I know what's easy to do. Call Calvary Chapel and they will take care of you. (laughs) And we will, for the most part. But I can't tell you how many times people have come, hey, Pastor Zeke, there's somebody that's in need and this and that, and I turn around and I'll do the same thing. Why don't you take care of it? That's why I give my tithes and offerings, Pastor Zeke, so you guys can give. It's like, oh, I I understand. (laughs) But maybe, have you prayed, Lord, does it have to come out of my pocket right now? Are, are you trying to stretch me in this arena? Because again, there's a blessing to that. And again, sometimes it's like, but you're the pastor. It's like, but you're the servants. We're all servants. I just have to stand behind this pulpit here. But I'm a servant just like you're a servant. And God stretches me in those areas too because it's easy even for me when people come and they say, hey, pastor, we need this for me to go, okay, let me get to the benevolence fund and we will take care of you. And there's times that God's going, I didn't ask them or I didn't ask you to take it from the benevolence fund. I want to take it from your own pocket, Zeke. But you got it, Lord. You see, because there are times that he says, you feed them, you give them something. You give them what they, do, they need right now. Now, it's interesting because the, the Gospel of John tells us who these guys were who were having this conversation with Jesus. And it was Philip and Andrew. Those were the spokesmen who had come to Jesus and say, it's time for them to jam, to get out. It's like, you ain't got to go home, but you got to get the heck up out of here. Okay? Whatever you guys got, send them away, Jesus. Whatever we got to do, because we can't take care of this whole thing. Philip and and Andrew are the ones that are coming and going, we have a situation, Jesus. And we need to send these people away. That is our solution. And Jesus says, I think we need to feed them. And they're going, well, (laughs) then we're going to have to raise money. We're going to have to pass that basket around to raise money so that we can go and get enough food for them. And there's all kinds of people, Lord. And I don't think we're going to raise enough money to get enough food to take care of all of them. But what they really needed at this time was a pastor's heart. Not pastor like me. They needed a a servant's heart. They needed a, a shepherd's heart. They needed a heart like Jesus that would have compassion on them and give of themselves if they had to. That's what kind of heart that we are to have. Not a pastor, per se, that, that, that's in ministry. No, a, a shepherd's heart. One who is willing to be moved with compassion from the innermost parts of our beings to be able to go, Lord, what do you want me to do? So Jesus says to them, give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Again, their faces must have just dropped, going. And what Jesus is doing here, he he was turning the situation from a problem to an opportunity. Again, the Gospel of John tells us he knew what he was going to do. He was testing them to see where their hearts were at. Not in a bad way. You see, Jesus wanted his disciples to be involved in taking care of the people's physical needs. In reality, Jesus didn't need these guys to feed the multitude. Jesus is God, man. He could have easily just called down bread from heaven. He did that for 40 years to the people of Israel. For 40 years they had manna in the wilderness. He could have done that. Oh, man, there's 5,000 people. We ain't got enough money, nor do we have all the resources. Father, send some manna. 
He didn't need these people. But you see, God chooses to work through His people rather than independent of His people. That's what He would rather do. He chooses to use people like you and I. Because He could do it all. He could have put the, he could have put the bread in their mouth. It's like, where did that come from? <laughs> Man, that was tasty. And filling. He could have done that. And, and I, don't, I don't really think that the disciples were being mean here. I really don't think that, even though I might come across as they were like being jerks. I, I, I don't think that they were not caring. They just knew that they did not have the wherewithal to take care of this whole situation that was right in front of them. They did the right thing. They came to Jesus. They, they knew they were short. They did not, they could not take care of the situation. They did the right thing. They came to Jesus instead of just kicking them out, going, ah, we don't have to bug Jesus about this. Hey, go home. Go home, people. And then Jesus is going, where, where are the multitudes going? Oh, we sent them away. Because Jesus said, that's not my heart. You should have came and found out what my heart was first before you kicked them all out. No, they don't have to go away. We're going to take care of them. You're going to take care of them. It's like, see, they, they, they did the right thing. But, but it's interesting that when a situation arises and we do go to Jesus and we do pray about the situation, that oftentimes we leave it at that. And we think, I've done all I could. I prayed for the situation, Lord. And it's interesting when Jesus all of a sudden as you're finished praying and you're getting up going, thank you, Lord. And all of a sudden you hear this small, still voice and he says, hey, you take care of them. Well, let me go back in prayer again. <laughs> Whew, man, Satan's just attacking me right now. Whew, man, I'm hearing some crazy voices. Because I thought you said, I thought I heard that I should take care of them. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. You see, we prayed for the situation. And I know sometimes, Lord, use me however you want to use me, Lord. Do you really mean that? Be careful when you say that. He might just go, dang, I was looking for a, a willing heart. And you just open yourself up. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's not get hasty there, Jesus. That's just the way I pray. <clears throat> we finished praying. We're like, Lord, whatever. And he says, wow, what a great prayer. What a great opportunity for me to use you right now. In this situation, to be a part of the solution. I know, I know what you guys are thinking. Man, I've got to change my prayer life. <laughs> I, gotta, I can't be too literal with Jesus, man. Because he might just turn it right back on me and say, you feed them. You give them something. Out of your pocket. Jesus, I already gave my tithe and my offerings. Yeah, give above and beyond, man. Give of yourself. Dude, this is a convicting message, huh? I love giving it. <laughs> I'm so glad that I'm giving it. You know, because I don't have to hear it. Guys, it has been convicting me all week <laughs> of where I'm supposed to be. I, wanna, I, I should have Jesus' heart. It's easy to send the people away. It's easy. great when we're praying, Lord, just use us, man, as a church. And all of a sudden, he throws all these things in front of us. We're going, man, we can't get helpers. <laughs> well, good. Do it then with you three guys. You guys do it. Okay, Lord. Then we're going to go for it. But he, he, you guys always come through. Man. You guys are the best. I, I know this message really doesn't apply to any of you guys here. <clears throat> okay, now I'm lying, and I should repent. <laughs> Verse 17 and 18 and they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said to them, bring them here to me. 
Now we know from the other Gospels that Jesus had asked them, what do you have? What do you have right now with you? What do you have in your hand? What do you have in your wallet? What do you have in your house? What do you have right now? (laughs) And we know that from the Gospel of John that they went and found some kid that had five loaves and two fish and they jacked his lunch. (laughs) They jacked his fish sandwich, man, that mama had packed for him. (laughs) Hey, kid, let me have that lunch, man. (laughs) Can you imagine this kid going home? Mijo, did you eat your lunch? Well, mom, you're not going to believe what happened. Again, you got bullied out of your lunch? These guys were older guys, (laughs) mom. (laughs) But Jesus said, what do you have? And I think he asks us that, you know? Even as a young Christian, what do you have? Well, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of knowledge. I don't have a lot in my bank account. I don't have... It's hard for me, Lord. But what do you have? That's what he's asking. What do you have? So when Jesus tells them what they've come up with, Andrew says this. This is all we have, but what is that among so many people? It's as if he just disqualified himself or that whole situation saying, I don't have much to offer, God. We, we, we don't have, we have five loaves and two stinking fish. And it's not like big fishes. They're like sardines. They're like this big, God. And I love the fact that when Jesus finds out how much they do have to offer and that it is not much, I I, I love that he didn't say, well, there goes that idea. Um, I guess we send them home. He didn't say that. What what, what do you have? We just have these, we just have this little, this bread and this fish, Lord. It's not much. (laughs) he says great I can use that bring them here to me and I think this is what uh, the lesson for us when when you feel when we feel I don't have much to offer and he says what do you have this is it right here God I could use that (laughs) you're not much (laughs) you don't amount to, to too much but I could use you I could use somebody like you. Really, Lord? I'm not that, I, I, can't even, I can't even pronounce some words on some names of these cities, Lord. I can't pronounce those things. How, why would you have me stand up in front of people to try and muster through the stupid word? Yeah, I can use fools like you. I really can. You, you, you see, the disciples in this situation... They did not have to be the manufacturers of anything. All they had to do is present what they had and Jesus would manufacture it and all they had to be was distributors of it. That's all. What do you have to offer? Not much. Jesus said, I could use that. You don't even have to come up with anything. I could could just use you as a distributor. And I love that fact that this was the first seminar that included lunch. That's awesome, huh? But what a beautiful picture that we have here. If we just give Jesus a little bit of what we have, He can take it and make more of it. We give a little, He gives a lot, and then we get to give it out. That's all. That's as easy as it is. Freely you have received, freely give, Jesus said. You take that step and you say, Jesus, I can't. I don't have much. And he says, I can. I can do it. I can use something like that. And then he does it. And then in verses 19 to 21 where where it says here, and he commanded them to sit down on the grass. And we know from the other gospels that again, he uses the disciples to do that. 
He tells them, hey, you guys get these people into groups of 50s and 100s and you sit them down. These guys still didn't know what he was about to do. They, they had brought this, and this is all we got. He goes, okay, have the people sit down. He's like, all righty. <laughs> Let's go sit the people down. Hey, guys, sit down. Okay. It says that he took the five loaves and the two fish and it says that he looked up to heaven and he blessed, he broke and gave it to the disciples. And, and, and it was the disciples who got to serve the people. I'm sure they were blessed. It, it, it was still a long day. It was, they were still in a deserted place. And it was later than when they first came up with that situation. <laughs> it was already later than when they first got started. But all of a sudden, this problem that they had been facing had turned into an opportunity to serve other people. I, I, I don't know how all this was being replenished. I, I wish I could just see, how did that happen? Did he just tear it and give it and then tear it and give? And they, again, it, what, how was it being multiplied? How was it being replaced? That would have just been an amazing thing. Where, when after like the, the five loaves, you know the five loaves are being used up and you're still lying going, yeah. What? <laughs> okay. And you just go and you can, it's like, here you go. Here you go, peeps. It's all for you. <laughs> Jesus just kept on giving it out, and these guys just kept on serving it. However it was, they kept on serving. 5,000 people! They just kept on And I'm sure as they're giving it to the people, they're going, thank you guys so much. You guys didn't have to do that. We didn't. We wanted to get rid of you. That's what we wanted to do. But I'm sure their response was, no problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad to serve you. It is my honor. See, the people had no clue that they had become a problem to these people. They were just needy. They were just there to hear Jesus. They had no clue about the conversation that Jesus had with his disciples. They had no clue that, that they were telling Jesus, get rid of them. We, we, we can't. We can't take care of them. They have no clue that Jesus was challenging them, saying, I want you to do it. You're going to go serve these people. And they're going to thank you for it. They're going to thank you for it. Now, some tried to discount this miracle by saying that all of a sudden when they started bringing out this five loaves and two fish, that people started taking out their lunch, you know, that they had, and they started sharing it with one another. And I would say that if that was the case, this story would be no big deal. And we would have been told here that that was the case. And we would have learned a lesson on sharing with one another. That's what we would, I would have entitled this message, Sharing is Caring. You know, something like that. But the fact of the matter is, if the Creator can create something out of nothing, how much more when He has a little bit to work with? <laughs> Because he could have just brought it out of thin air. But they brought him something. It's like, pfft, it's not a biggie for him to, to, to create more out of something that's already there. It's no big thing. And it says that they all ate in verse 20. So they all ate and were filled. It wasn't like they passed around the little fish and... You know, they tasted the fish and kind of got the crumbs of the bread. It's like, it says that they ate and were filled to overflow. They, they had stuffed themselves. This is what it means to be filled in the Greek. It's two words, or the two words are made up of one word, and it means to fodder, i.e. generally to gorge, supply food in abundance, feed, fill, satisfy. They were satisfied to overflowing with this food that was sent out to them. Now, this was the physical food that they overdid it with, but I would say that Jesus wants us to overdo it with the spiritual food. 
And it says that they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Why 12 baskets? Because there were 12 guys that said, we can't do this, Lord. This is not even possible. There's a problem here. He says, well, here, here's 12 baskets. Go pick up the remains. You could imagine them looking at each other going, man, Jesus, he is so naive. Okay, what? You see, Jesus won't let anything go to waste. Not one thing, not one crumb. He won't let it go to waste. They picked up all the leftovers. And they realized what a great opportunity they had to serve people. They got to see a miracle of God. Just give them more. I mean, if they were spent, he gave them more. If they didn't have any more in the tank, man, Jesus just filled them to overflowing, man. Isn't that amazing? Because that's what he does with us. When we're going, I can't do this no more, Lord. He says, that, oh, then you must be doing it for your sake. Oh, you can't do this anymore. I'm tired of do, the, doing this. Oh, you must be doing it for the pastor's sake or for your church's sake because my burdens are not heavy. My commandments are not, are not burdensome. If you do it for my sake, pff, I will fill you to overflowing every time. I don't care how late, how deserted, how, 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 you know, wherever it is, whatever is going on, I don't care about the situation. When it becomes a problem to you, come to me and I'll give you an opportunity to serve. You see, taking care of the people's physical needs or taking care of people's phys- uh, spiritual needs are important. But taking care of the people's physical needs are just as important. And Jesus teaches us that lesson. He created a miracle here to, to prove the point. That both are necessary. And so anytime we think that we are faced with a problem, then just take some time and sincerely pray. Don't change your prayers right now. <laughs> Lord, is there any way that there's an opportunity to use me? to fix this, to be part of the solution. Amen? Let's pray. Oh, my. Father, we just thank you and praise you, Lord, for today, for this story, Lord God. Father, as we look at it, Lord God, we can't even fathom it, Lord, that you would do something with so little. But, Lord, you have done that in my life. You've done it in many of our lives, Lord. You've taken something that was so little, so insignificant, and used it in powerful ways. And so, Lord, we're just so grateful for that. And I pray that even this morning, Lord God, you would encourage us that as we come before you and we pray for situations in our lives, and we truly do ask, Lord, how can you use me? And, Lord, we would be willing to wait in prayer and to hear if you say to us, you do something about it, that we would be faithful to do that, Lord. Not for anybody else's sake, but for your sake, Lord. That we would be faithful. And so, Lord, go before us, we pray. We thank you so much, Lord, that you love us so much. In Jesus' name. And everybody said...